This is Daniel Fagell, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. We've talked a lot about conversational interfaces on this show in all kinds of sectors, from e-commerce to financial services and beyond. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about where these technologies are getting traction. Our guest this week is Avinash Tripathi, who is the CEO and founder of HelpShift. HelpShift has raised over $50 million to bring chat to a variety of industries, including gaming and many, many more. And I basically grill Avinash in this episode, and he's a great guest, so he really played ball with us as usual. I always have a lot of uh, really high-energy chats when we have Avinash on the show, but he goes into it with us in terms of who's really using chat now. Where are these applications actually fruitful? There's plenty of use cases where the relatively low level of human touch that chat can afford maybe isn't a perfect fit. And there's other cases where it's a really natural fit based on the customer, based on the use case. Where's the money being spent? Where's the genuine opportunity? And what does that look like from the perspective of someone running a high growth company in this space? That's exactly what Abinash gets into. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you're interested in more natural language processing use cases, our Emerge Plus members have certainly been interested in everything NLP, from chat to document search, etc. So we've constantly covered new use cases in this space. You can actually download our free PDF brief called Unlocking the Business Value of Natural Language Processing, and you can download that at emerj.com slash NLP1. That's NLP like natural language processing, and then the number one, emerj.com slash NLP1, and that's our PDF brief called Unlocking the Business Value of NLP. So feel free to download that if you want a little bit more detail. And otherwise, without further ado, we're going to fly into this always high energy, always a lot of fun episode with Mr. Abinash of HelpShift. So Abinash, I want to catch up with you here on the topic of sort of who is adopting when it comes to artificial intelligence for chat. That's your world. It's wild. You've been in there for, you know, what, nine years now, 2011 or something like that? Yep. So you've seen a lot evolve. You know, when Mm -hmm. you think about who is really picking up on this, who's starting to layer AI on top of their, their sort of chat conversations in a fruitful way, who, who do you see as those early adopters? Is there anything they have in common, whether it be industry, size, whatever? A, a very good question. So I think if you think about automation and the effort in trying to get automation going in an enterprise, the biggest ROI really comes from people that are having high volumes of interactions. So when you say, when you define that as high volume of interactions, there are specific industries where you know customer service has you know very high volume uh, of interactions, and it's typically visible in two ways. One is just, you, they just have high volume. The second is the number of agents they employ in the contact center, right? So if you think of the industries that basically have the highest number of agents dealing with customer service, those typically happen to be B2C industries. Anything that has to do with you know, retail, banking, uh, utilities, telecom, gaming, which is where we got our start, right? Because think about gaming for a second. Hmm. We got our start in gaming because they are like any of the largest social media networks in the world. They have hundreds of millions of people playing online uh, every month, right? So the monthly active users in a gaming environment is massive. It's, It's as big as telecom. And the volume is proportional to how many people play the game, right? So if you really think about the game, People would wonder why is gaming such you know so big in customer service? Because today games are just like casinos or retail outlets, right? People play a game, but tied to the game is a store, and the store is usually selling stuff, right? That people buy. 
And anytime people buy stuff, there are all kinds of issues that can happen. The game itself may have issues. There are gameplay issues. There are fraud issues. There's bullying issues. All kinds of issues you see in the gaming world. So we got our start in gaming simply because gaming is a very digitally focused, digital first world. For them, the phone is a foreign concept. They don't want to have a phone-based contact yeah, center because yeah, yeah. they really don't want people calling them on the phones, right? It costs so much money to serve a phone call. So they, they wanted everything to be digital first. And so we dominate the gaming industry, whether it is you know the largest games in the world that I can rattle off my mouth, all of them are powered by HelpShift, right? So that's where we got our start. And now what we're seeing is a lot of the B2C industries like retail, hospitality, travel, telecom, fintech, banking are all, you know, they have the dynamics, but some of them, those tend to be very traditional like banking and banking does not have a digital first approach. Though I would argue post COVID, everybody's reevaluating what, what their digital strategy is because, you know, if you noticed and observed when COVID hit, what really happened, and I want to relate this to you, Dan, is that most of these contact centers operate with agents in Manila. Yep. Manila got shut down, and these workers that worked in contact centers don't have internet at home. They didn't even have computers. They had to come to physical facilities in Manila to, to attend phone calls. Whoa. They couldn't even be online, right? So phone contact centers were shut down hard immediately following all the lockdowns around the world, right? So my bank, for example, Chase, they couldn't even, there was no way they could serve any of my phone calls, right? It was, if you had to do banking, good luck, right? You had to wait for many days to get through to their phone contact center. So everybody, every large B2C vertical is starting to think about how to better leverage, you know, digital and specifically in digital self-service capabilities. And so if you narrow that down, self-service capabilities can be broken up into like automation technology and bots uh, or informational self-service. So that's where I think it's what we're doing is so interesting. Got it. So just to touch on what, where you started this kind of explanation was that you began in gaming because it's so digitally native and it's so averse to the phone, right? If you're a 17-year-old or a 27-year-old and you're in the middle of a game, you, you, yeah, you're just, you're not going to call a company. You know, that's something your mom would do. You're just going to chat or you're going to put in an email ticket or whatever the, the case may be. So that's a digitally native space. You mentioned retail. Do you see sort of basically for, for retailers in terms of who's adopting AI and chat from your perception, you're looking out of the market, you know, where is their traction? Mm -hmm. Where Where is their, you know, real buyers for this stuff? Is it mm -hmm. just a function of how big the retailer is or is it a function of both how big they are and their relative amount of revenue from e-commerce? Because I would imagine that that would be indicative of their digital savvy on some level. What are the factors that make a retailer, you know, more hot to trot, you know, more likely to actually be, you know, doing the kind of work that you guys do or with other vendors or whatever? Yeah, I think two dynamics play in the retail segment, right? One is, if you look at the gross margins of retail, even e-commerce businesses like Amazon, Right? The gross margins are single digit, very low single digit, two to three percent, maybe even one percent, right? And with those kinds of gross margins, you really want the most effective customer service model, right? Not that you want the cheapest, most effective customer service model. And so it's it's there's a lot of margin pressure in the retail business that's driving the shift to digital. But more importantly, post-COVID, what has happened is if you look at the large format retailers like Walmart, for example, for the first time, what they've seen are a completely changed sort of forced behavioral change in 
in the shopping process, right? So Walmart, now, if you look at what's going on, it's all like curbside delivery and curbside pickup, right? So you can, you can order ahead through a digital surface like an app or a website like walmart.com or target.com, and you can then schedule to go pick up uh, the products in the store instead of having to walk into the store and walking the aisles, right? So the whole shopping model has changed. I would say the whole delivery pickup, curbside pickup, even in the food industry, we're observing this, right? So all the restaurants, like whether it's McDonald's or Chipotle, are all like doubling down on the on the apps for ordering because it's all about pickup. And pickup means you have to be able to order. You don't want people calling into a call center to order. You, you would rather have a digital app where they can do that. And so a lot of things can go wrong in that, you know, in that whole process. You've, you've ordered, your order is delayed, and you need to like talk to somebody in real time. Messaging and chat becomes the perfect way to solve that instead of having people call a call center and wait on the phone for 20 minutes to talk to an agent, right? So there's, the dynamics are mostly margin pressure and this changed sort of behavior of you know ordering takeout or pickups or delivery, right? Yeah. It, I wonder, obviously, those are really, really big players in this space. You know, the, the Ubers and, you know, Grubhubs of the world are super big on chat. Are those folks, though primarily tackling that entirely in-house? In other words, are they really customers for this kind of thing? It feels like probably they're they're nailing all of that down with, with in-house teams. I'm just thinking about, you know, what is a company, yeah, so who's a company Uber, like you Uber, chase after? Yeah, so Uber can nail that in an, with an in-house team because they've had sort of this engineering culture. They they build a lot of the technology themselves. They have a, they have a large group of, you know, people that work on the AI and the, and the automation and the and the core customer care platform technology. So a lot of these Silicon Valley modern retailers and mar- on-demand marketplace companies have sort of in-house teams building the tech. But then you take all the large format retailers, right, like Walmart or Target, they're all like using vendors. They they don't have the capability to build those platforms in-house. And so you know, Target's a customer of HelpShift, right? So we power the Target. Uh, mobile experience. So if you go to the Target Red app and you use customer service in there, that's completely powered by HelpShift. Got it. So some of those folks actually could be potential customers in, in your guys' space. And now, as you mentioned, and we'll, we'll kind of maybe swivel back to the, you brought up one factor was who has the biggest call center. So telecom, the banking. credit card companies, yeah, banking. I mean, certainly I, from what I understand, the credit card firms, anybody with a lot of credit cards, you know, the Capital Ones, the the MXs, these guys also have gigantic ones. So retail banking, credit cards, telecom. Now they're all kind of In, insurance. I, oh, insurance as well. Okay, vehicle. okay, yep. And then healthcare, right? Because think about healthcare now, right? What what really happened during the COVID era was we saw the inefficiencies of healthcare, and so now telemedicine has become a big part of how healthcare is going to be delivered and telemedicine is going to go digital completely. So question about, so we, you just brought up a number of these. We've got retail banking, we've got credit cards, we've got uh, healthcare, we've got insurance, even telco. My gut says that credit cards are the farthest along digitally. Now, maybe not all of those sectors are necessarily, you know, they're not Amazon or anything, but of all those sectors, it feels like credit cards are the most digitally savvy. And so they might be the most likely to be picking up on chat, but that's an outside intuition. You're the guy selling into this field. When you think about that cluster of industries you just mentioned, are there some more than others that you really would, you know, if you're a betting man, you would say in the next two to three years are really going to be leveraging more AI in chat than others. 
Good question. I think what we've seen is telecom is still sort of lagging. They haven't really leveraged any of the digital capabilities. Though you're seeing a systemic shift to the My Account app, for example, T-Mobile has been pushing customers to start using the My Account app, and you know Comcast Xfinity has been trying to do that, right? So the telecoms are trying to solve that problem by pushing people into the My Account, you know, app where customer service is built right into the My Account experience. And so Xfinity is a good example. They've actually built a chatbot called the Xfinity Assistant, and that Xfinity Assistant is deployed inside the My Account app. And so if you have an issue with a bill or with your internet service or your cable service, you go to the Xfinity My Account app and you're able to start an, you know, an AI-assisted journey, right? So I would say telecoms mostly around the world are still trying to figure it out, but some progressive ones, exceptions like T-Mobile and Xfinity that care about the customer experience are, are doing a fairly good job. Banking, you know, I would say is probably worst. Uh, in this space, mm, like wow. I, I'm, a Chase, I'm a Chase customer, and my experience with Chase in the in, in post COVID has been horrible. I had some CDs maturing, and there was no way for me to reach people in their contact center and their digital experience. They just don't do digital very well, right? It's horrible. I mean, I, I even wrote their survey that they just don't understand. They built the app, they built the mobile app, and they want you to spend time in the mobile app, right? Uh, even to deposit checks and all that, they've optimized all of that in the mobile app. But then customer service, they still push you to the phone, right? And post-COVID, you can't even get through to their contact contact centers. It takes like a day to get through to their contact centers. You really think banking is farther behind than healthcare or insurance? Because I, I would definitely not presume that that's the case. I mean, when it comes now, to... I think, all of, I think all of them I think all of them are in the same boat with okay, banking okay. And, uh, and insurance. Insurance, you know, there is a ray of hope because there are startups trying to disrupt it. So you take companies like Lemonade, for example. Yeah, big, right? big deal, Lemonade? big deal, yeah. Yeah, so they are pushing the envelope for the insurance, the, for, at least for the general insurance industry. And there is some pressure there to try and become modern, right? Because the millennials, like I just switched my home insurance from Progressive to Lemonade because it was it was just so fantastic, that experience of getting a quote in less than three minutes and just the app experience and the way you do it. It's just incredible. I didn't have to deal with a human being it all happened automatically, right? And so I would say insurance has that pressure. I think healthcare will see a huge acceleration simply because post-COVID, they've realized that if they don't take advantage of digital tools, they're going to be screwed, right? I mean, it, it's, it's, you can't really, the, the traditional model of trying to run healthcare through in-person or phone contacts and it's just not scalable, right? And the sheer number of, people that are going into hospitals now post COVID, you know, you have to have some sort of tool that allows triage to happen without having to speak to a duty nurse, right? Yeah. You know, making that work with healthcare systems and with the hospitals just feels really hard. The need is so dire and so clear, but the integration into workflows just feels like that's for healthcare. It just feels harder than the other, the other sectors we've mentioned for me. You, you, you'll be surprised. We're actually working with one of the Fortune 50 healthcare companies right now. I can't mention who, but these folks are very, very incented to fix the problems in the healthcare industry, right? Closing note, closing note on this. So number one, you're, you're 
giving me more optimism than I had for healthcare doing a damn thing with AI and chat until you, you kind of mentioned a little bit of that there. But I'm imagining for the folks who are tuned in, you know, thinking about whether it's insurance, it's banking, it's telco, the folks that are most likely to, to have this stuff up and working in a meaningful way in, you know, two years, is it a function of how big they are and how big their call centers are, all other things being equal? Or are there some other factors that we can kind of see from the outside that, that might lean a company to be more likely to actually have, you know, AI for chat in a more seamless way a couple of years from now? Any other factors that, that would influence who the buyers are out there? Yeah, I think any industry that is facing massive margin pressure, right? And I think the economic impact of post-COVID era is going to put margin pressure on a lot of industries, right? That's going to be one of the number one reasons for why people adopt large-scale digital transformation and automation is the margin and the economic pressures of the macroeconomic environment post-COVID, right? So many industries are going to be part of that. It's going to be retail. It's going to be, you know, banking, healthcare, insurance, all of those will be part of that. The second is basically what I think is companies that are very focused on the customer experience. So you might, there is this whole notion that AI and automation is bad for customer experience, right? And I think that's completely wrong. We have data to the contrary. All our customers who use large-scale automation have seen NPS and CSAT numbers go up, right? Because customers don't have to wait in line, talk to human beings, you know, it eliminates a lot of frustration. I would argue it actually humanizes customer experience. So I would say any company that's very focused on customer experience will double down on sort of AI and, you know, AI technologies and automation technologies, right? A good example is Comcast Xfinity. Look at, you know, how poorly they performed a few years ago, right? They were like beaten up as, I mean, they were held up as the brand with the worst sort of customer service. And now what they've done is they've appointed somebody who is the chief customer experience officer, and they're doubling down on all of the, like the automation technology, the AI technology is so critical to their business that they've created this business unit inside called Xfinity Assistant. And they put so much time and effort into getting that right and building that right into the experience, right? So I think people that have been beat down by customer experience want to really make an impact on customer experience will will adopt this technology. So I think it's going to be a combination of cost or margin pressure and basically people that really want to improve the customer experience. Yes. So do we have that strong emphasis from within the firm and are we experiencing pressures that make us have to kind of shave shave down some efficiencies? And I can certainly see, you know, to the point about AI doing a disservice to customer service scores, you know, I think done wrong that would potentially be the case. I think done right, it would either be neutral and it would still save us some money uh, or done right, it would not only save us some money, but it would help improve the customer service experience. I can imagine that any vendor with 100% astronomic through the roof customer service improvement is quickly their founder will be uh, in, in the billionaire ranks uh, because this is, this is a really, really hard problem to crack. But to your point, it should not be an association that automation means bad customer service. I think that that is an incorrect yeah, that, that association is largely because, you know, a lot of the tech that was deployed early was crappy. Um, failed, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah just did not, did not. And, and nobody's, none of the vendors are willing to stand up and take ownership for it. And we blame the big banks and we blame them for failures. 
it's really a failure of the technology vendors and their suppliers, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and well, to some degree, the executives that, that bought a fake story to the point that you and I talked about in our previous episode there, you know, who didn't yeah. know how to separate, you know, which of these claims about magical conversations is actually realistic and which is just not realistic. But, but yeah, to your point, obviously, the vendors are, are partially to blame too. But anyway, we got another cadre of vendors coming up, you guys among them, and I'm looking forward to seeing who the adopters are going to be in the future ahead. But I appreciate you doing a little bit of predicting with us. I know that's all we had for time on this episode, but Avinash, thanks as always for being able to join us here. Wonderful, Dan. Thank you for having me. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thanks to Avinash for joining us on the show. I have so much fun riffing with this guy, and I hope I get to chat with him again in another year and a half or so. We had him on, geez, I want to say it was maybe the end of 2018 or something like that. And to be able to catch up again this year has been has been fun as chat has started to evolve and make its way into more sectors. And thank you to you for being able to listen all the way through on this episode. If you like what you're hearing here, then make sure you're signed up for the newsletter. You can go to emerge.com, it's just E-M-E-R-J. Up in the top right is a subscribe button. You click that and then you'll get our newsletter every Tuesday and Thursday. You'll never miss a podcast. And you'll also get our latest articles and some of our infographics that are normally for Emerge Plus members. We occasionally kick out through our newsletter for a limited amount of time for people that really want a clear single shot vision of best practices for picking AI projects, measuring AI ROI, and all kinds of other cool topics. So if you want to stay ahead of the curve and drive value with AI, be sure to stay subscribed to our newsletter. And otherwise, stay tuned here for the show. We're glad to have you here, and thanks so much for joining us. I'll catch you on the next episode of the AI and Business Podcast.